This is the marketing podcast for financial advisors with Claire Aiken. Claire is the founder of Indigo Marketing Agency, a full-service marketing firm tailored specifically to financial advisors. She delivers complete proven marketing strategies with a minimum investment of your time. And now, here's Claire. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Marketing Podcast for Financial Advisors. I'm your host, Claire Aiken, and today I'm really excited to have Doug Rainbolt with us. And we are going to be talking about how advisors can figure out how to embrace a specialty. You know, what's the right specialty for them? How can they test out a different uh, specialty before they put a bunch of marketing dollars towards that? And so I'm really excited to have Doug with us. Doug is a partner and CMO with Chief Outsiders. He has been a senior marketer for many years. I actually came across Doug when we were working with a financial advisor together who had a fascinating niche. He was doing uh, financial planning for Intel employees. And Doug, I know, really helped their firm to focus on that specialty and embrace that niche. And it was really successful for them. And so he was a great resource on that project. And so we've kept in touch over the years. And so Doug is going to help us today uh, to talk about his process and how he helps financial professionals to figure out who they should focus on. So welcome to the program, Doug. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Great. So let's start out with uh, talking a little bit about what you're most excited about personally this year. What's going on in your life? Oh, good, good question. So I think I'll carve it in two pieces. First is the personal side. And second part, I'll share some, some thoughts relative to you know, marketing growth and marketing you know, education, which I love doing. On the personal side, the great news this year is my youngest uh, graduates from high school. And uh, on top of that, I got a basketball offer to play college basketball in Seattle. In fact, science is letter of intent today, so that's really exciting. Really pleased about that, and uh, wishing the best going forward. On the business side, I would say on the marketing front, a couple things really you know have um, been in my mind this year as far as learning and, and the application of such. The first is this idea of what we call advocacy marketing. The idea of being able to you know turn your customers into advocates, you know, post a sale. I think so much of the time we as marketers are so focused on you know, the acquiring of somebody, getting a lead in, working the lead, nurturing the lead, and then eventually closing them. We don't think about oftentimes what happens you know, post the transaction. And um, so there's a whole group, group of thought around how do we nurture people post the transaction to keep them focused, to keep them engaged, and actually have them be so motivated to actually help in some ways as far as, for example, content creation or you know, word of mouth to different, uh, you know, different you know, prospects. In doing so, the key thing is that it actually increases your referral count. And as you know, Claire, referrals as far as lead sources like gold, it does shorten the sales cycle. It does help people, you know, self-qualify themselves. And so the key in this process is to really get people engaged post-sales so they can be your best advocate to increase your referral count. That's been kind of a, a top-of-mind thing for me as I, as, as I coach clients. I'd say the second thing would be I had a, a CMO peer named Atul Manocha who made the introduction to a guy named Patrick Roybosi, who wrote a book called The Persuasion Code. It really deals with, um, in a nutshell, neuromarketing and the importance of, you know, paying, you know, find balance between the logical side and the emotional side, the primal brain and its its responses and its role as far as the buying process. So think about that as really helped me as far as how I think about messaging, in a very authentic way, but being mindful of people's you know, emotional side as they engage and as, as they, you know, work through the process of buying. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, congratulations on your son's scholarship. That's awesome. And I agree, you know, there's so many opportunities from a marketing standpoint and um, particularly for financial services, it's all about referrals. And so um, it's interesting to, 
do that kind of work around, you know, after you've completed a transaction with somebody and they're happy, how can you leverage them as a referral source? And that's one thing that we do for our advisors is that we write client profiles. And so we'll profile a client who maybe came to the advisor when they were starting their own business and they didn't know if they had enough money to go out on their own. And then they did and their business was successful and now their life is better. And so that's a fantastic personal client profile that you can um, create and have on your website. And it helps people understand what you do and how you help and just humanizes the whole process. So I think that's great advice there. So let's talk a little bit about specialization in general. So of course, I have a, a very unique specialty and people sometimes when I talk on the phone with advisors, they can't believe that this is all I do. I work with independent financial advisors who have a specialty. Um, and so that's you know pretty unique. People who have a specialty need custom content and they need somebody familiar with our industry, familiar with compliance. And so it's a very specific niche, uh, but there's certainly a need for it and there's a higher willingness to pay. And so I encourage advisors to embrace a specialty so that they can command that higher willingness to pay, you know, charge a premium for their services and make it easier to find their ideal clients and solve the most pressing problems for their potential clients. So walk us through, you know, why is it so important to choose a specialty and how can advisors go about evaluating potential specialties? Sure, sure. Um, so first of all, let me just say as a, as a premise here, as I walk through this, I'd like to, the listeners to understand that you know, first and foremost, my conviction, my, my visceral belief is you got to be passionate about people to start with. There's nothing phony or make-believe about marketing. It's about doing the right thing to help people and, and help people solve problems. So you got to have that. you got to love people, and which most of your listeners do, I, I assume, but you got to have that as a, as a foundational piece. Uh, and the problem I see, let me kind of read to you kind of a problem statement I see when it comes to financial advisors and, and the problems they solve. We all know that you know, there's a need out there. The need is immense for people who need support and guidance relative to financial planning. But part of the problem I see is a, kind of a foundational problem is that um, when I look at messaging on websites or listen to uh, presentations, not yours, obviously, others, um, they all sound the same to me. They sound, there's no differentiation as far as the messaging. It's, 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 it's logical. It all comes down to, I should say that their approach seems logical, that the idea that people need this and we've got a plan and we build a plan and, and the plan is bulletproof and we have all these methodologies to, to really test your plan, make sure it's rock solid and you have us as a, you know, really your trusted advisor. You know, the problem from a listener is that it all sounds the same. It all sounds the same. So therefore, it's really hard to, to respond to something that's so homogenous. That's, that's the first part. But the second part deals with this, and it ties back into this idea of neuromarketing, right? We think about why people do things. We think about why they approach. And you know, let's face it, you know, oftentimes the, when, when an advisor says, let's meet, you know, and it's fairly soon in the sales process, you get this visceral, no, I don't want to do this. It's almost this fear response that even prospects can't explain because the money piece is so emotional. It's so deep, and uh, you know. But but uh, what oftentimes oftentimes happens is that people won't respond unless there is that emotional response. But we tend to almost genericize this messaging, and we're not really hitting the key pain points around why they should meet and and what's going on. And so the idea about specialization really is to to provide a unique message that really addresses a pain point. A pain point is bigger and deeper than perhaps this need for a financial plan. They all know that, but it's something deeper. And the problem, if you, be, you become very general as far as the, the messaging and you, and you reach out in a very general way, you get very mediocre response. You're much better off 
you know, finding your wheelhouse, the area that you're really, you know, passionate about and, and unique in where your superpower is exercise to be able to really be pinpoint accurate around trying to appeal to people's emotional state backed by logic to motivate, motivate them to take, to engage and to keep the conversation going to a point where they feel comfortable based upon the merits and your credibility to extend to a meeting and going forward. So it may be a longer sales cycle, but you do it that way and do it right and with meaningful information around positioning, how you solve their problem, then they move along the process. And then if you do it right, you find a group of people who are so satisfied, you know, post that, that you're, they're your greatest referral source. And then it does from there begin to accelerate the sales process. So specializations are really pinpointing the right people with the right message to engage them and then having them be your best advocate going forward to help you build more leads and bigger funnel in a, a much more accelerated way. That's great. Yeah, that's great advice. It was so funny because this morning before our recording, I was on the phone with an advisor who pretty much exclusively serves interior designers, which is pretty cool. And he works with and gets a lot of his clients from a CPA who serves interior designers. And the CPA firm is called Interior Design CPA. And it's all over their website. They have the cool, you know, hip logo that I'm sure was created by one of their designer clients. And that's what they do. And it's interesting because in my conversation with this advisor, I said, well, what about rebranding to, you know, the, the design financial planner? And he said, no, 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 no. I couldn't do that. I, I don't want to alienate anyone who isn't a designer. Well, you just told me that everyone that you're working with is a designer and everyone that you want to work with in the future is a designer. So if you were the interior designer financial advisor, you know, it'd be a lot easier for people to remember you and to refer to you and to feel at home with you. But he was really reticent to do that because the fear of alienating people that don't belong to that group. And it's interesting because I'm not even sure if interior designers have specific needs when it comes to their CPA that they need to be that familiar with the interior design business model. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but maybe it's just a memorable way to get new clients of my CPA is the interior design CPA. You should go to him. He's great. You know, so it's about both you know, embracing a specialty because you serve them best and also to make it easier to refer and more comfortable to refer. And so I do always encourage advisors to really, you know, take a leap of faith and make the jump and embrace your specialty. If it's the people that you love working with, you won't be disappointed. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, as they're evaluating, you know, maybe you have a generalist advisor that right now will take anybody with a heartbeat or who casts a shadow, but they know they need to specialize. What are some ways that they can evaluate different specialties to figure out whether or not it will work? Oh, it's a good question. So let me just kind of share an example of what I've done and, uh, and, and you know, add some color to it. Um, and, and much of this I've kind of learned from my working in Silicon Valley, where I've worked for years and years and years, this idea of like, you know, testing, you know, testing value propositions, testing markets. And uh, I'll start by saying that, you know, oftentimes, you know, people just guess at something and go at it, you know, full blast. And I think that's wrong. You should, should do some testing up front to make sure you're hitting the right place. So oftentimes what I do with my clients, we sit down and I ask them, what are, you, what are you passionate about? What really, you know, causes you to, you know, get up in the morning and just have, you know, great enthusiasm and passion for your work each day? What, what kind of people would you like to serve? And I've seen, you know, some businesses where people will serve clients who are less enthusiastic about, and maybe for good reason. And I think it's a recipe for disaster or, you know, uh, people's lives not being, you know, enriched, being the provider of the service. So sit down and just think about what would you like to do? What would you, who would you like to serve? And it's not just the who, but what kind of problems would be resonant with that group? 
And uh, so what we would do is like, you know, put together a list of, of potentials and then applying some what we call lean principles for startups, begin to describe that group from a, from a demographic and psychographic standpoint. Who are these people? And begin to uh, fill out a form and say, this is what we think they are. This is what we think they do. This is what we think what their problems are. And the important thing up front is to recognize oftentimes that these are what I'll call, without being too nerdy, you know, hypotheses. We, we think about these. We think these things might be true. And we kind of weigh them and say, gosh, given these like different groups that I can market to and given our hypotheses around, you know, who they might be and so on and the problems might have, how do we, how do we, how do we test this? We prioritize that list. And then, you know, the idea is to, what we call leave the building. You know, oftentimes we tend to look behind our laptops and or make phone calls, but we sometimes are innocent to go out and actually meet people and talk with them. And I really encourage people to go out to those spaces and meet people. And the way I do it is um, be really careful to present to these people that it, this is not a sales call. I'm trying to learn something. I'm trying to understand something about the market. I'm testing something. It may help that you know being the marketing person, not so much the, the analyst or the advisor might help. But um, it was surprising to me in the financial sector how many people I should say the advising sector, how many people said yes, they would take a call with me. And um, I would slot these calls for like 30 minutes. And I would do, you know, the first part was what we call the problem statement hypothesis, first meeting. And I would say something like, I know you work in this space. And we kind of read to you a narrative that describes what I think your life is like and where you're at as far as, you know, your, your business and uh, your personal life, even your finances, which became quite personal. And by doing so, I kind of like put something on the wall. I put down an assumption, you know, that could be tested. And what they would say as far as recipient, like, that's not my problem. It's not that, it's this. Ah. And uh, so I was able then to really use that canvas to be able to uncover what the problems were and ask questions about what really was going on in their lives. It was surprising what kind of feedback I received. It was surprising as well to uncover things I hadn't thought about. You know, for example, I'll share one area that really, you know, struck my heart chord was in talking to people uh, about financial services. There was one specialty that really stood out to me personally. It was families with uh, disabled children, uh, maybe Down syndrome or something else going on, but which they just felt so isolated relative to support. And uh, their financial plans in many ways were, you know, in shambles or are close to be and, and needing help relative to getting through that. And the getting help in some ways was more than just you know, the financial advisor, but a ecosystem of people around them that the financial advisor could be, be part of to really facilitate you know, a plan that was well thought out and connected. But my point is that you know, these interviews yield different things and ideas. And you came into it, what you think might be true is not true. What you thought might be you know, the ideas you had about where to target are different. So then you come back in the group and you say, gosh, we learned all these great things. You know, what, what do we think about this? Does this make sense? We're we missing something that we don't understand. And if that is the case, you go back and test some more. But you get to a point where you think, gosh, given that, you know, that, that focus, um, what would be then the appropriate you know, solution for that? Do we have that today or do we need to make some adjustments? And so you do a powwow on that and just come to terms with that. And then you you out again for a second series of interviews and, and you test that with people and say, gosh, you know, we we have, the, again, these hypotheses about these problems. And, and by this time, you have enough data by which, by and large, these people say, yes, that's that's true. You're, that is my problem. That is real. And then you say, well, gosh, given that, we're thinking about this kind of solution to that problem. And they'll tell you again, like, hey, that's on or that's off. 
And so you do the same process again, refinement around that to a point where you know where to target because you have the data and you know what solutions acquired. And then it comes down to the process by which you say, we're going to target these people based upon this messaging framework that's very pinpointed around pain problems that kind of guides them through this process in an incredible way, make them aware, to educate them, to help them compare consideration, the different offerings as they investigate, uh, even to a point where they feel comfortable asking for a meeting to engage in terms of, you know, sitting at a table and discussing it. So all that content is laid out. Then from there, being able to you know, lay out the right kind of acquisition channels and lead nurturing programs and everything else, it all follows. My point is this clear upfront research that's based upon observation, iteration, and uh, you know, testing. And it really does, like I said, you know, deploy some Silicon Valley type processes, but I think it's equally applicable to financial services and uh, many things. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And it, it's interesting because a lot of times advisors don't necessarily have a long-term view on their investment when they're getting to know their target market or they're trying to, you know, kind of paint the picture of their ideal client. And that's why I do my free 30-minute marketing brainstorm calls is because I love to talk to advisors, hear what their pain points are, hear what they've tried, what's a waste of money, what, you know, what has worked in the past, what are they thinking about doing? That's how I get my market intel. And the same thing should be true for advisors listening. It should be your hobby to learn more about your target market. You should be offering a free you know, brainstorming session or a free Q&A session or a free sounding board workshop for your potential clients where they can ask you questions. They can tell you about their frustrations, their goals, their fears. You know, No one ever came to a financial advisor because they uh, thought that their investments were paying too much in fees and not getting high enough return. You know, That may be what you think you do for them, but that's not why they come to you. And so understanding why they come to you, what they're interested in solving in their lives, what's going to help them sleep better at night, what are they excited about moving forward with you to address, that is the key to your marketing. And it does take work and it takes listening. And you know, you may spend a lot of time on the phone and not make any money, but it's all an investment in your future and in honing your expertise um, you know, to grow your business. So uh, I really appreciate all of your insight, Doug. Why don't you kind of close it out by telling me a little bit about you know the mistakes that you see people making from a marketing perspective, and if you could recommend them doing one thing, what would you recommend? Sure, sure. I, I think the, the the mistakes I see, I'll say there's probably three that come to mind. The first is you know this idea, as I said before, generic messaging about who and why. You know, being really focused is is really important. Knowing your passion, knowing the problems out there, and creating really custom messages that move people that stand out, make you different. Um, number two, I'd say, you know, a mistake I see quite a bit is people trying to accelerate the process of, of the sales process, the gates. And, you know, like I said, too quickly saying, let's have a meeting. And it just, it just rocks people sometimes. Like, I'm not ready to have a meeting. And so oftentimes you try that too prematurely and the doors close or people stop returning phone calls. So being patient, I think is really key. And having that really mindful, heartful approach to where people are and nurturing them along in some ways, helping them self-qualify themselves and move through the process. Because that trust is really earned. I think the third thing I would say is not asking good enough questions. We tend to already listen. We tend to, you know, save, you know, give the pitch. And we're so eager sometimes to say, here's our pitch. As opposed to taking the time and taking three breaths, right? And saying, hey, I like some questions, ask some questions of you. You know, I always thought the idea of an ideal sales call early on is when the client talks about, or the prospective client talks like two-thirds of time. And that's when they just, they give. And if you, if you can do that and, and be disciplined at that, you'll learn so much more and able to really come back with a precise answer to help guide them through. 
So the three things I see happening and my one advice, you know, for people as they go through this is know, know your superpower, know what you're really good at, what you're really passionate about. Um, I was reading a book by, by Seth Godin called This Is Marketing. Maybe some of the listeners have, have listened or read it. And uh, it really made an impact on me. And um, the idea is that people, there's people who want to hear your voice. They really want to hear what advisors have to say. Believe me, there are. But it's almost like this, you know, what we do in marketing is we change lives for the better, right? We change lives for the better. And there are people out there, you have to believe that you could help change your lives in the area of financial planning. You can, right? The key is to find them. And what, what Seth said in his book is if you don't do that, you hold your voice back from helping somebody that life, their life could change for the better. It's equivalent to stealing. You have a duty and obligation to support them. So if you do that, it really motivates people to, oh, this is my, my duty to serve these people. How do I do that? So that's my, my one advice to really you know, help guide advisors in their, in their prospecting and support efforts. I love that. Yeah. And I, I think it comes from a place of, you know, serving people. And I love that idea of, you know, don't be afraid to serve people and to help people. I know all the advisors listening love to help people. But what if you could put that into your marketing? So I'll give you an example. I work with a business coach that his kind of onboarding process is he does two free sessions. A lot of people do one free session. I do one free session for advisors on their marketing. But my business coach does two, three free sessions because you can't experience the positive impact of business coaching unless you actually have two sessions. The first session, you set your goals. And the second session, he holds you accountable for achieving your goals. So after your two free sessions, you've actually seen the results. You've accomplished something that you wouldn't have otherwise accomplished in your business or in your life as a result of his, his serving. And so I think that there's a way that advisors can bring that into their marketing. So maybe instead of you know, offering one sounding board session, maybe you offer free recommendations that people can implement and they can get a sense of the benefit that you're giving through your financial planning practice. And they can feel better about their life, about their future, feel more confident about their financial plan as a result of your introductory process. And so to give them a taste of what you offer is often more powerful than any sales pitch in the world. And so I just encourage you guys to Think about that. Think about how you can incorporate it for your own practice. And don't be afraid to give away 90% of what you know, because when people understand how much you care and how much you can help them, they will come back and they will hire you. So thank you so much, Doug, for being a part of the show. I hope it was really valuable for the advisors listening. And we really appreciate your help. My pleasure. Thanks. If you'd like any resources from today's episode or from other episodes, go to indigomarketingagency.com slash remember. It's hard to forget that address, indigomarketingagency.com slash remember. 